Good morning, church. Wow, it's bright up here, isn't it? Oh, those ones are... I'm a bit wasted, actually. (laughs) Anyone else? Seb, you were struggling a wee bit, too. Wow. Yeah. Ooh, day of Pentecost. Woo. (laughs) It's my great pleasure and a great, great privilege to speak and to build on the message that Graham and I carry, and that's the inside-out message of habitation, where God lives inside of us in the person of the Holy Spirit. Amen? A superior upgrade, isn't it, on the visitation message of the Old Testament. <laughs> Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and me. That's four of us. Woohoo! All on the inside, smoking. <laughs> that is a mighty fortress. Four in one, habitation. And for those of you who don't know me, there may be a few of you. My name's Jenny Perkis, I'm Graham's wife. Uh, and I'm a counsellor, I'm a speaker, I'm a trainer with an organisation called Strength to Strength, and that is our mission statement, that taking what is strong, making it stronger. And, uh, and this is headed up by Richard Black. We run seminars on renewing our minds and anything to do with mental and emotional health uh, with the goal of seeing the church strong, fighting, fit, and all God intends us to be. Amen? Yes. I love my job. Yes. So, as he is, so are we in this world. That's the goal, isn't it? As he is, so are we in this world. Amazing. The world comes at us on the outside, but he lives in us, which is Wonderful good news. And my friends, we're living in the good news of the New Testament. Christ in us, the hope of glory. So are we all in this morning? Are you in? Are you in? Great. We impact our environment. Our environment doesn't impact us. Isn't that amazing? Powerful innermost being. We radiate out in our Inside Out Connect group over here. Uh, we'll be familiar with some of this, but today I hope to unpack this and thicken it some more. So hopefully there's a lot more new stuff here. Now I've got my clicker, and uh, sorry, there's lots of technology here. I'd like to thank Lucas Williams for the amazing PowerPoint. Thank you, Lucas. Awesome. So now I'm away. I'm doing the clicker. I think I'm the first one to do the clicker. Now, I think I'm on. Living in the core of love. Now, what am I going to use? Am I going to use my technology? I've got options here. I think I will. I'll go for this. Hold the line, please, call us. I used to be a stand-up comedian I'm not in, my, in the olden days. LAUGHTER And I do regress sometimes into some of my characters. Yeah. So, some people see it, others think I'm just really a really nice person. (laughs) It's very appropriate. 
Okay, so you'll notice uh, the word core is an acronym, C.O.R.E. So I hope to unpack this in the time I have this morning, which is quite limited. So I'll be just skimming across a big pool. It's usually sort of a half-day seminar. So we'll try and pack it in. <laughs> so half day, half hour, <laughs> condense it in. <laughs> uh, living in the finished work of the cross and not towards it. That's a really important place to, to get that revelation, isn't it? To, we're living from it, in it, not toward it. Okay, quite a distinct difference. One is try harder, the other is it is finished. Woohoo! Great news. Okay, so before we crack on, let's pray. Oh, my Father, you know my heart is for effectiveness and to see your people whole and living in freedom. So, Father, I commit every word that comes out of my mouth to you. Let that which is of you take root and accomplish that for which you purpose. And that which is not of you, Father, let it fall to the ground and not cause harm. I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So you're free to dismiss anything now. There you go. So it's all suggestions. So what is love? <laughs> Not a feeling or an emotion. Rather, love is wanting the best for another, come what may. Yeah. We get it confused with affection, don't we? I just don't love her anymore. Oh, I, I don't know. Uh, I did, but I don't know. But affection comes and goes depending on how we're feeling treated by the other person. So affection moves, and we often get the two mixed up. And how many know human love and God's divine love are different? Yeah. One is conditional, the other is unconditional, isn't it? And, and when also, we read that we're to love those who hate us. It's not really that possible when we're living entirely and depending entirely on our human love. Because we really don't like it so much when people hate us, do we? We can cringe inside and go, oh. You know, John 1, 4, 18. New Living Translation tells us such love, this is perfect love, has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. Wow, if we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. So if you peel back anxiety, and I'm peeling that back every day when I'm looking at a person sitting next to me in my counselling room. Depression, anger, control, you will always find fear. Always. It's always under those, those uh, presenting issues. And the fear resides in our soul, in the filing cabinet of our minds, in our faulty programming, the faulty messages we receive growing up. And that fear is showing up in our made-up self, or by accident, a social self to fit in, into our family, into our birth order, into our, into our peer group. It's our social self. But we have an essential self. Most people don't even know how to access it. So this is what I'm helping you to see today, hopefully in the short time I've got. So how does one access this perfect 
love. Now, this is where I start clicking, I think. Ho oh, ho, look at that. Isn't that beautiful, Lucas? Oh, Lucas, what happened? <laughs> it was fine, wasn't it, before we started? So, yeah, we, we're starting off blame shifting already, aren't we? <laughs> okay, so here we go. Our head, our heart, our mouth, all being in one accord. The heart, the head, and the mouth. So in our head, we have our allergies, our emotional allergies, our bruises, our ouches that people keep bumping into, but we think they're causing it and it's coming from inside of us because there's a feeling that's been snapping at our heels and we're trying to keep one step ahead all our lives. What is it? Mine was rejection and exclusion. I wouldn't ever feel it though because I wouldn't go anywhere. So I never felt rejected or excluded, did I? So we have ways of coping with these allergies and it keeps us really stuck, keeps us living in a limited belief system. In the core, in that center part, that is where all the magic happens and I love helping, especially couples, integrate their head allergies, their heart needs and their mouth, what comes out of their mouth, their communication, because there's more than one way to ask for something, isn't it? It's not what you say, it's how you say it. It's the old adage, isn't it? And we all know that one. I think I'm just going to move over to my thingies, because this is far too small when I'm up here under the lights. Okay, so here we are. Oh, didn't go one more time. Here we are, right. So what does that look like? <laughs> in the core. So C is for centered, love is centered, and driving down a narrow, single country lane, it's really important to stay in the middle. Anybody been to England? Really important, because you can end up in the ditch, like this, this particular person has. You can um, end up easily there, or if you overcorrect, you might end up, if there's a ditch on the other side, you actually might end up there as well, on that side. So we can drive through our lives ditch to ditch, can't we? But not much freedom, because it's in the middle of the lane. Freedom, real freedom. So getting off centre, we can easily end up uh, with a very bumpy life. So love is centred, balanced. There we go. This involves our emotions, and we all have an emotional tendency. Did you realize that? In the way we relate to people. Now, it's not fixed, it moves, but there is a reason why it moves. And as I unpack this, you might like to mentally picture where you think you might generally fit on this next slide, okay? Now, or if you have a pen or paper or some technology to draw, just for fun, just draw where you think you might be on this. You know, it's not a, you know, you don't have to get it right. There's no wrong answer. Uh, and you don't even have to do it if you don't want to. So our emotional tendency might be to be emotionally disconnected or indifferent or overly entwined. And when I do this in my uh, seminar, uh, we work through this and end up having people 
sort of moving around the room and I put them into their little corners and things like that. Lots of fun. But often in church uh, leadership seminars, this other end, the enmeshment end, is really quite a crowded corner because we get enmeshment mixed up with empathy and we try to be kinder than God, don't we? And enmeshment looks a bit like, you know, I can't like me unless you like me. And if you don't like me, I have to hate on me until you like me. And then I'll be okay. Or your mood determines mine. And so if you're unhappy, I can't be happy. Unhook your mood from other people. Other people cannot determine your mood. Isn't that good news? That's amazing. You cut the string or you'll be played like a yo-yo. Oh, ever notice if, if you have an angry person around you, how it can draw you into that sort of yourself, you know, or a sad person, you can, oh, you can get really sad as well with them. So when I'm indifferent, I'm just not connected to how you feel, I'm focused on how I feel. Feelings, what are feelings? Do people have feelings? Huh? Really? No, oh, I didn't realize that. And when I'm enmeshed, I'm connected to how you're feeling. Your feelings are my feelings now, and I'm responsible for your feelings, so I have to fix you to be okay about my bad self. Don't I? Because, yeah, I'm just that kind of a person. I'm just very empathetic. But most people do move too much toward the enmeshment, and they do not stay centered, balanced in the core of empathy. When I'm centered, I feel empathically attuned with another person. And I can know with how they're feeling. I can connect with it. I can feel how you're feeling. But I know whatever you're feeling are your feelings. They are not mine. Have you got a rough idea already where you might be sitting on this line, my friends? Have a wee look. Are you on the indifferent end? What? People have feelings? Really? Or more toward this end? I can't like me unless you like me. And if you don't like me, well, you know, I can't move forward and go down into the garden and eat worms. Well, somewhere in between, and I, I think most people are somewhere in between. Most of us are moving, but the goal is to be moving into the core, into the centered place. As well as our emotional tendency, we all tend to function in a certain way as well, the way we relate to people. <laughs> Is it going? It's not. Oh yay, this way. Okay. <laughs> okay, so this is our responsibility. <laughs> this can mean we take too much or too little responsibility for the role we play, the tasks we do. And in churches we have lots of these overfunctioning people. They're all on the rosters. They're great to have at potlucks because you don't have to take anything because all the overfunctioners will, they'll bring plenty, won't they? <laughs> and when I'm underfunctioning, I'm not really focused on what my responsibilities are. I'm focused on my powerlessness and your powerfulness. You know, I don't want to upset you or I like it when you do it for me. Oh, yes, I love that. Your actions are the solution here after all, aren't they? And when I overfunction on this end, 
I am not focused on my responsibilities. I'm focused on what needs to happen. Like, someone's got to do it, don't they? So it may as well be me. Hey, guys and gals. Not looking over there. No, no, I'm not looking over there. And we do for others what they need to do for themselves or what I need to let them do. Or I prevent them from even doing what they're entitled to. And I cripple them. We think it's kindness and it's not kindness at all. My actions are the solution. I'm just that kind of person. I'm just so empathetic. And often I'm doing it to feel good about my bad self, actually, because I'm feeling guilty. There's some other stuff going on. However, when I'm balanced in the middle, in the core, I know what my responsibility is. I know what yours. I have good emotional boundaries. I do what I'm responsible for, and I'm clear about what your responsibilities are. But, you know, I might feel a bit cruel or unkind or unsympathetic. So I will have that feeling bullying me on the inside, always on the inside, by the way. I take personal responsibility when I'm balanced. I know how to negotiate my way forward. Everything's negotiable, and consequences are the solution here. So that's being centered, balanced in the core. C is for centered. Ha <laughs> ha! Don't be overcome by evil, overcome evil with good. Oh, that's what my little girl used to sing in Sunday school. And I just kept thinking about that song. O is for overcomer. Love overcomes evil with good. That's the head part of those three circles. Engaging with our head, owning our own allergies and all of our own feelings. Nobody makes me feel anything. Can you all say that? Nobody makes me feel anything without my permission. That's right. Rather than blaming others for being the cause of my rejection or my sense of being humiliated or feeling powerless or overlooked or dumb, in reality, realize they're just bumping into my belief system, which needs some tweaking. Owning my out. Recently, I was challenged by an interview with Pastor Bill Johnson of Bethel Church in Reading, where our, our leaders went across to, to uh, hang out for a while and glean. And I was just so riveted. He was asked, you're a man of faith and the miraculous. Is there anything that scares you? Is there anything you're fearful of? And he thought and he stopped, as Bill always does, you know. He has this sort of pause. It's part of like, Selah. Think about what I just said. It was really good. <laughs> and he paused and he goes, yes. What scares me is having a thought that God doesn't have. Wow. Or holding a view of myself that God doesn't hold of me. Bringing every thought into captivity. We know that. We know the Bible says that. But wow, thought-provoking to say the least. Having a thought that God doesn't have. Or a view of me that God doesn't have of me. Wow, what freedom to agree with who he sees us as. Own your own allergy and all of your own feelings. Choose a constructive response. 
You don't have to be a doormat with welcome on it. It's not like, ah, that's fine if you talk to me like that. It's actually like, did you mean to be unkind with that comment, darling? Because I'm just not sure how to interpret it. <laughs> I don't want to misconstrue what you said. Did you mean to be condescending with that just then? That is powerful. It's a constructive response. It's called speaking the truth in love, and Christians aren't very good at that. We are very dishonest people. We pretend to like each other, or ourselves even. You know, we do this, hi, bless you, ah, fine things. I hate that girl. She really gets up my nostrils. Whoa. <laughs> and, and really, address the issue. Don't attack the person. Play the ball, not the player, as the saying goes. And initiate an apology where my actions have been hurtful, harmful, or unhelpful. What's so, what's so bad about that? Haha, <laughs> there's something else under the layers there which might stop me from doing that. And thank you, Seb, wherever you are, you said... Just being vulnerable like that, I love seeing people's underbelly and being prepared to say, you know, I felt a little bit like I was being a bit, was it arrogant or something he said, this week. You know, that's great. It's actually to really look and see what's going on. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Do you know the enemy's assignment against us? Rob, kill, and destroy. But from what? From our peace. And do you know what he uses? He uses other people. He'll use somebody to say something to you just to rip your nighty. You know, it's like to say, whoa, man, I was feeling good until you said that. And, and he uses another person. And that's what he does. He's out to get our peace, and we don't notice. He wants to move us from our identity in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. He wants to move us from there. His favorite way of doing it is using even our enemies of those of our own house. It says that in the Bible too. Uses what he needs, those closest to us. But when our head's healthy, our mind's renewed, our beliefs are in agreement with God's tr truth, about ourselves, the world, and others. Very important. We are then in the Jesus place, yeah. in the core of love. Oh, I don't like it when people do that, and I've just done it. <laughs> Blind spot. Okay. So Jesus was empathetic. He wasn't enmeshed. He wasn't indifferent, was he? Addressing the question of the rich young ruler, you know, what do I need to do? to be saved, to enter the kingdom. Jesus didn't run after him and say, oh, hang on, you know, oh, sorry, I didn't want to upset you. You know, maybe we could negotiate. He didn't. He didn't adjust his response to suit the rich young ruler. He didn't overfunction when Lazarus was dying, did he? He didn't panic and run. He actually didn't get enmeshed. In, in the pain, in the grief, in the, in the desperation of a 
family. He remained empathetic. He went, then raised him from the dead. He let him die. What? You know, that doesn't seem very empathetic. But he knew. And as he did at Canaan, too, with his first miracle. He would have known ahead, wouldn't he, that the, the wine would run out. He was God. But he responded to the need and he took ownership of what he could and was willing to do, even though his time had not come yet. It's pretty amazing. Jesus is our empathetic, he is our, um, yeah, he's our everything. He's the one that we have to hold our, our I guess, our heart toward and and he, as he represents us, because he's already been there, done that. I won't say bought the T-shirt, because that didn't happen. R is for reasonable. Now, there's the mouth. Reasonable. Engages our mouth and our tongue. It seeks first to understand. Great persuaders must always be great listeners. Listen before you persuade. Reflective listening, it's a great tool an essential tool for a fulfilled relationship. How many of you practice reflective listening? Can I see a show of hands? Oh, there's there a few. Yeah, great. Excellent. Speaking the truth in love. Locating those jackals that come out of our mouths. You always, you never. Oh, wow. It's always me, isn't it? <laughs> Asking for what we want by directly communicating, not hinting girls, because men don't get hints, by the way. Do you guys? Don't get hints. No. I'd really value your attention, sweetie, when, when I'm talking to you, because I need to know that what I have to say matters. And when you walk away when I'm talking to me, darling, the story I tell myself is I have no value. Is that what you intend to communicate to me, darling? <laughs> That was my husband that just hit the floor there. <laughs> Reflective listening, so the heart of another feels heard. An essential tool, like I said, for a fulfilled relationship, especially for us women, amen? Women love to feel heard. A great illustration. Ah, that's a great uh, slide there. Thanks, Lucas. The traffic controller style of communicating to the flight deck. Control tower to flight one, two, three. Do you read me? Over. I read you, control tower. Go ahead. Over. Roger that. Flight one, two, three. Please proceed to runway five. Roger, Foxtrot. That control tower. Control tower. Flight one, two, three. Proceeding now to runway five. Over. Roger, Wilco. Stand by for takeoff. Flight one, two, three. Roger that. Control tower. Standing by for takeoff. What would happen if they didn't do that? <laughs> if neither answered, but they just gave instructions back and forth, and that's what we tend to do. As passengers, who wants to find out? <laughs> we don't want to know, do we? No. Reflective listening. Love meets emotional needs. This is the heart. This is the E. E is for empathy. I chose my love. Now I need to learn to love my choice. That's not always as easy. Learn the proper care and feeding of my loved one. How do they feel loved? We all feel loved differently. Oh, well, if he knew what I, if he really loved me, 
They just know. But men don't just know. They just don't. Unless we tell them how we feel loved. I feel really loved when you did that, sweetie. You know, when you did that, man, I felt valued. I felt warm inside. I felt fireworks went off inside me when you looked at me and spoke to me like that. Thank you. And he goes, I can do that again. <laughs> because what you affirm in your man, ladies, he will repeat. So you should see our garden. It's amazing. Because <laughs> I'm out there saying that's the best edge I have ever seen. <laughs> Men go where they're winning and away from where they can't win. Teach, yeah, yourself. How can I make it that my husband can win with me? And often, workaholics, if there are any in the room, are there because they win at work, but when they go home, can't win with her. I can never get it right with her. I just keep away. I go where I'm winning. It's unconscious, though. Usually, a man is never doing that on purpose. And beware of infidelity by omission. Neglect. Infidelity, people. Unfaithfulness when you neglect your partner. And by commission with a habit, such as anger, control, withdrawal, sulking. Terrible one, that one. That is infidelity with a habit. There can be three people in the marriage a bit crowded, as Lady Diana said, didn't she? You don't realise how important it is to recognise that your attitude is, is actually an unfaithfulness to the other person that you love. Women's needs are to feel heard and affirmed, not solved. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Hey! <laughs> affirmed and validated. I get that. That must really suck. I'm sorry, sweetie, you're feeling that. Oh, that must hurt. You must be so disappointed. That's all we need, guys. We don't need a solution. <laughs> we don't need to be fixed. We want to know you get us. You know how we tick, and you're there to, to walk beside us, affirm us, and validate us. And the man's needs respect and responsiveness. Re not reactive woman. Oh, well, you know, you never, you always, mm. Yeah, reactive is really a turn-off for a man because men are wired to respond to a responsive woman. Yeah, so what spins the wheels of most women? Now, this is my favourite slide. Look at this. <laughs> Smoking. <laughs> Hearing the positive, that's what we want. Words of connection to know that we matter. The deals never close for a woman. She wants to know every day she's beautiful and she's loved and she's valued and that she matters and is desired every day. Wow, what spins the wheels of most men? I probably left something out for the woman. Absence of the negative. Absence of the negative. He values her openness. He values her positive emotion and attitude and values difficulties being communicated in an upfront, non 
critical way. So it's not that you have to be the doormat with welcome on it, but you communicate up front without criticizing. Honey, I appreciate that you're under a lot of pressure. However, I would appreciate you uh, not taking that out on me. Was that how you intended to come across? It's speaking the truth in love. You have a tendency to withdraw when you don't like something I've said. And how I feel about that is abandoned by you or you don't care what I have to say. And what I need is to know that you would be prepared to engage with me rather than withdraw. Is that a realistic expectation, sweetie? Would you be willing to think about that? That's speaking the truth in love. It's a wonderful, wonderful tool. What deflates the tires of most women? That was one. Walking away when I'm talking, isn't it, sweetie? That deflates my tires. But Graham's got lots and lots and lots of sisters, and he had to do that to survive. So now he's, <laughs> <laughs> he's still got that weld with his sisters and me, you know. So we're working on it, work in progress. We're not perfect, but we're in process. Fixing me, don't like being fixed, don't worry about it. That's a horrible one. You'll be right, you'll be fine, don't worry about it. You can get other friends. Don't worry that you, she doesn't like you. You'll be fine. Lack of validation. That's what it is. It's really coming alongside. Is there anything else, girls? Probably missed some. What deflates the tires of most men? Criticism. Said it before, say it again. Disrespectful tone of voice, rolling the eyes, whatever. Right, okay, yeah, yeah, all right, we'll do it your way. Sarcasm, oh, that deflates men's tires. Sarcasm, you always, you never. Now remember, we had those two continuums at the beginning. Remember those, our emotional and our functional tendencies and where we might have placed ourselves on those lines, okay, with the goal being the core and the centre. Now, if we move the functional one and we move that vertically down the middle of the emotional one, we end up with four quadrants, don't we? And we, so there they are, one, two, three, four. And as humans, we tend to move around these quadrants, dependent on which emotional needs are under threat. We all move around, by the way, when our emotional needs are under threat. I move into the chameleon when I'm talking to my brother in Australia, because he tends to be uh, always right. So I hunker down. And I will move in there. I will move into the rescue with my mum when I'm compensating. So I'm compliant with my brother, compensate with my mum. I can be quite narcissistic when the phone rings at dinner time because I haven't got much spare time. And someone wants to sell me something or tell me that, you know, my computer's got a bug or something. <laughs> I can be quite narcissistic. I can move there. And I can move into the victim quadrant too, when I feel overworked. It's, oh, it's not fair. You know, but I only stay there for a moment, because I can quickly encourage myself back into the centre. And that's exciting. 
So for some reason, the emotional needs aren't on this slide, so I'm going to have to flip-flop back and forth here for more clarity. We move to that narcissist quadrant when our need for security and control and our need for significance is under threat. Can you see that up there and there? And if I go back, one, two, there we go, we become controlling and we overfunction and we become quite indifferent. Okay. We, we fear powerlessness, so we reach for dominance. And we become controlling. And, and, and demand that it's done my way. And then we may even micromanage others to meet this need, to be in control and to feel significant, to get our emotional need for significance met. We move to the rescuer quadrant across the top. These are all the over-functioning on the top of the, of, of the horizontal line. So the rescuer quadrant, when our need for security and belonging is under threat, we compensate for others' perceived weakness. So here we go. We're going in here. So security at the top, belonging and acceptance we move into the rescuer because we need to belong and be acceptable. We need to be in control as well when we're rescuing. Rescuing is the most selfish thing we can do, by the way, because we're trying to get our own need met. Both the narcissist and the rescuer are moving into the over-functioning quadrants at the top. Now we move down into the chameleon here and we become compliant. So if you can see that this, this, is, this is a half-day seminar. So if, you can't, if you're not getting it, don't feel bad. So it's just an overview today, which really needs drilling down into. So when our need for belonging and fear of getting it wrong, is there anyone that fears making a mistake or getting it wrong? Yeah, fears conflict, yeah, yeah. It's under threat and we fear being out of step relationally. So we become compliant, keep our head down, we avoid, and we often reach for pleasing. The thing about the chameleon is that if we won't let ourselves be seen for who we really are, people, how will we know that we're loved for who we are? And not for just how we're trying to make everybody like us and pleasing. They're only liking the, the pleaser, but that is not the essence of us. That is not our essential self. We move into the victim mindset there when our need uh, is that we know what we need, but we don't think anyone else cares. I know what I want, but nobody else cares, and no one's going to give it to me anyway. And we complain. So the critical word probably should be complain. That's probably more accurate than being critical. But there was a word this morning about somebody being critical because they had a secret uh, kind of a, a secret sin, I think it was, and some secret activity that they did and it had created a critical spirit and it can because what we do, we project who we are onto others and see them as us. So if we're filled with love, when we vomit on people, we vomit love, don't we? Well, that's probably not a very good example, Jim. <laughs> ah. And we complain nobody cares about how I feel. Nobody cares what I do. 
and we reach for self-pity and we feel in that space our need for innocence and significance is under threat. It's a different it's a different way of our need for significance being under threat. And with the chameleon, our need to belong and to be innocent is also under threat. So under-functioning quadrants, both of those, both the victim and the chameleon. Is there anyone starting to see anything about themselves where they might move at different times? Is this sort of, yeah? <laughs> hey, somebody put their wife's hand up for them. <laughs> I won't name any names. <laughs> so what do we need to do to move into the center? Because this is the important thing, rather than just moving around and getting stuck. Uh, the narcissist needs to know up here, because I'm just going to rattle off a few things, because there's a whole plethora of things we need to know. But uh, for the sake of time, I won't be able to do that. Narcissist needs to know it controls a delusion. I'm never in control. God is the blessed control of all things. Man makes his plans, but it is God who determines the outcome. Amen? Amen? So that means out of control. When we're attached to outcomes, guess what? We start moving into fear rather than remaining in faith. I'm not necessarily the answer the narcissist needs to know. And we're all better together. We are better together. The rescuer needs to know over here at the top. I don't have to be the one who makes it happen. I'm not necessarily the answer to everyone's problems. My dad used to say, you get a glass of water, you put your hand into it, Clem, and when you pull it out, and the, the gap you leave is the gap you'll leave when you die. That's what he said. And it's interesting. It will get done if I don't do it. And helping another by doing it for them, as I said before, may be weakening the person. In the case of the little child who gets out the nail scissors to cut open the, the pupa to let the butterfly out while accidentally killing it <laughs> in the meantime. And we can kill people when we rescue them and keep them stuck in their victim mindset. The butterfly needs the struggle in order to fly, and so do we. It's hard for us mothers, though, not to rescue our babies, isn't it? Doesn't matter how old they are. Oh, my 39-year-old girl's having a baby. And I just want to go over there and do all the mothering thing, and I can't. And I have to make friends with that. And it's okay, because I can reassure myself. The victim needs to know they have more to offer as well than they think they do. Nobody wants to know what I have to say. They believe they're powerless and they are not a victim to others until they change. And this is a real key for marriages. I'm not a victim to my husband until he changes. The power to change is in my own hands. I'm not a victim to my wife until she changes. The power to change is in my own hands. Does that sound like freedom? Freedom. Yeah, unhook yourself from other people or you'll be played like a yo-yo if you don't cut that string. The chameleon needs to know making a mistake isn't dangerous, and neither is conflict. It's not dangerous, it's just normal. Conflict is normal part of life. It's just the disagreement of ideas. That's all conflict is. But can I have a show of hands how many people have that as an allergy? Conflict is dangerous and I can't survive it. Anyone brave enough to put their hand up? 
Yeah, thank you. It's great. Appreciate your honesty. Yeah. Yeah. And if I'm unwilling to show my true self, as I said before, how will I know I'm accepted for who I really am rather than the made-up version of me just to fit in and to be liked? All of these insights can help us move closer to the core of what I'm just saying, but there will be some tailor-made ones you will need, and that's where people need potentially a one-on-one, because we all have blind spots, don't we? And we can't do our own root canals. We can brush our teeth, but that's about it. We can't do our own open-heart surgery in the mirror just to save money. (laughs) We need sometimes somebody who can see what we can't see to get unstuck. So into the center, which is the Jesus place, in that center, balanced, empathically attuned, in the center, that's like a cross, isn't it? And and this is what my talk's been moving toward this morning. Not just some psychobabble kind of mumbo-jumbo stuff that a counselor might say. But hopefully some tools-based how-tos when it comes to living the life of freedom. The abundant life that many of us struggle to live, don't we? And the life that just seems a lot more difficult than we thought it would be. And it as far as I can see, it actually gets, it seems to be getting worse. Anyone notice the world's in a bit of a mess? The world comes at us, but Christ lives in us. But when these emotional needs are going unmet, and for some of us, all of them are under threat, our need for security, control, belonging, innocence, and significance, affirmation, acceptance, approval, all under threat. So as we draw to a close, and I'm just looking at my time. How am I going here? I can't see a clock. Is it up there? (laughs) There isn't one. Yep, okay. So as the musicians and singers come, I just ask that you all close your eyes, if you will, and cup your hands right where you are. And I want you just to ask the Holy Spirit, which of my emotional needs have gone unmet? And they may have always been unmet, or maybe just recently. Is it my sense of significance, that I don't matter, I'm invisible? Is it my security, I'm feeling out of control, I'm feeling powerless, that I don't have the resources to cope? Is it my belonging? Do I feel left out, out of step, relationally, with my family? Am I frightened of getting it wrong? Is it my innocence? I'm guilty, I'm always at fault, I'm always blamed. So as you do, just place that unmet need into your hands right now. Cup your hands and place that unmet need. And as you do, I want you to realize that none of these emotional needs have ever been under threat in Jesus. I'm going to say that again, because this is key. If you don't remember anything else I've said, none of these emotional needs have ever been under threat in Jesus. He has met them all in him. He's put his security, he's put his belonging, he's put his significance, his innocence inside of us, in the core of us. 
in our spirit. He's filled us with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Receive it now. Just receive it now into your spirit by faith. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I just love these people. Lord, I just want to pray your significance over this beautiful assembly of people. Your sense of security, your sense of innocence. Not guilty people receive it. Not at fault, not to blame, never again. Innocent. I just want to pray over these people. Your sense of belonging. Lord, your security, your belonging. We belong, we belong to him. Your affirmation, Lord. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come onto these people, onto these beautiful people. Lord, fill them with your security, your, your sense that this is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. Lord, speak over them. Declare them innocent, not guilty. They belong. They belong to you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for these beautiful people. Come, Holy Spirit, move. Come, Holy Spirit. Let all of their emotional needs be met right now, right now, right now. In Jesus' name. Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it will always be, it's always been you, Jesus. Jesus. Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it will always be, it's always been you, Jesus. Jesus, nothing else matters. Nothing in this world.
Fantastic. Loved it even more from Connect Group. It was great. Um, just have-